we have been going over a series of questions that people have been giving us, and we typically, uh, if, if it's worthy of a class, we typically go through questions so that people can understand. We think it's going to be a broader audience or something like that. We try to do that. So I'm going to answer a question today. But first, I have to talk about <clears throat> several years back when I was an HVAC mechanic. I was given a younger mechanic to work with me. He started with me, he'd never worked in that place. And when I met him at first, I wanted to talk to him and because we'd be working together every day and just kind of see how he felt about things and try to make him feel welcome. But this young man was really angry. Angry about life, angry about things that had happened to him. He had some tragedies that had happened in his life. He had some bad choices also that he'd made in his life. But he was one of those young men who just seethed with anger. So I, of course, learned that about him very quickly as he uh, offered me some comments and things and uh, didn't really want to talk about much. But I think it was day two or day three we were walking together, and we had to go about half a mile. We took a walk down to a, a store's place where we could pick up some parts to do a job together. And uh, we walked together. Just I was going to show him around the parts place and tell him what we needed and things. And apparently while we were walking down the street, I must have been staring at him longer than I thought, thinking about this guy and thinking, what can I say to him? Or how can I get to him? What can I do? And he looked right back at me, and he, what are you staring at? And then I guess I couldn't help myself. <laughs> and I told him, I'm staring into your soul. And, uh, <laughs> which by the way, uh, over time, he hated it at that day, and he hated it probably for the next six months, but probably five or six years later, because we had become very good friends over that five or six years, he came back to me and said, I still remember when you told me that. I was staring into your soul. I didn't know what else to say. I don't know why I said it, but it just sort of worked out. Uh, and again, we became good friends. And uh, eventually, he accepted the Lord, uh, and I won't take credit for that. That was God's work. Just happened to be I was in the right place at the right time for those things. But the whole thing about relationships with humans, humans are built in such a way. Start with a darker marker here. Humans are built in such a way that uh, there's a human there. <laughs> Now, I tell the kids oftentimes that I'm drawing this exactly to scale, and that's probably true for some of us more than others, but <laughs> humans are built in such a way that there are multiple parts of them, okay? There is a physical part, and inside of them, there is what I'm going to refer to as a soul, and within that soul, I'll say there's a spirit. So let me talk a little more about what that is. The, every human, as we have a relationship with them, uh, 
begins from the human perspective of physical. And that's physical because I hear you, right? I see you from a distance, even as you're coming up. And as you enter a room, I make a judgment about you. Tall, short, whatever, okay? Whether you fit the, the, the drawing or whatever. I make some sort of physical thing about you first. And that really is very surface level, right? That's not who you really are, that physical surface. There is more. And as I learn, if I want to learn more, and you have some sort of relationship with me, I begin to learn more than the physical. And within the physical, there are a few things. I begin to learn about your interests, your emotions, Okay? And internal things like your personality. And we say, well, I have a good friend and I know that they like this, or I know that their personality is like this, or they're interested in those things. And that's what we might call a deep relationship with somebody. But that's really not the depth of who we are as a human. There is more. Now, some relationships become purely physical, and people, you know, as you pass by someone on the street, you might say hi to them uh, every day. And you don't really know anything about their personality, but then as you get to know them, you know something uh, more personal about them, uh, their interests, their emotions, things like that, okay? And that might... Um, that might lead to something deeper, all right? And the deeper thing is not always the case, nor is it required that you have that deeper connection. The deeper connection is the spirit, all right? And the spirit is, I would describe it as maybe your thoughts, okay? Your thoughts, the core of your being. In the Bible, oftentimes it's referred to as your heart. That is not the physical muscle pumping blood around your body, but it is the core of who you are. Now here's the interesting thing you note about every human. If you are to have a relationship with God, he does not come at the physical or the soul. He begins in the spirit. Because it says God is a spirit. And if you're going to worship him, you need to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so you begin when God approaches a human, right? God's approach is directly into the spirit and he works his way out through the personality and eventually the physical as your thoughts change, as your emotions and your reactions to things eventually change, and then your habits change, right? That's his approach. Our approach is opposite of that oftentimes. And oftentimes we never get to the spirit. Understanding this, the, when we are dead in sin, when the Bible says we're dead in sin, that means our spirit is dead. The thing that touches God or could be touched by God is dead. But when we ask for forgiveness, we want a relationship with God, God comes in and says he is a quickening spirit. He comes in, 
quickening is an old word that means make alive, okay? So he makes us alive in our spirit. It was dead because of trespasses and sin, but he makes us alive by touching our spirit inside. That piece of us who is really the core of who we are. We can live this entire life with a dead spirit if we never have God touch us, okay? But the difference <clears throat> between a person who is a believer, a friend of God, and that who is not, is just simply the fact that God has made their spirit alive and come in and he's begun to work inside of you until it works out of you, all right? So all of this to know that we are made up of different pieces, all right? It's important for the question we're going to get to. And let's go then to uh, one more little comment sort of on the side. If you have ever met another Christian and you are a believer in Christ, there is a way for us not to just be physical and soul depth. There is a way, and you may have experienced this if you've met someone who really, truly loves the Lord and has the spirit come out of them, and you are one of those people too, you can connect in a way in a spirit, and it's almost immediately when you meet that person, you know. All right? That is a connection of spirit to spirit, and spirits recognize spirits within you. All right? But that part has to be alive in you and in that person for a connection to happen. God has to do that, all right? God has to do that. So all of that to get to 2 Corinthians, as we build up the question, I will get to the question eventually, but let's do a little bit more looking. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because we need to understand what's behind it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 6. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So here's what Paul tells us. In our lives, living our lives, as we know it in this body today, we can't be directly in the presence of God. And I'm not saying, I mean, God's presence is everywhere. God is omnipresent, right? But I'm not saying like physically us transported to the presence of God in heaven, we'll call it, all right? We can't be with that with God directly in his presence until we leave this body, all right? So when he says, here it is, if you're alive in the body, or if you're present in the body, you're absent from the Lord. And vice versa, if you are, as soon as you die in your body, you are present with the Lord. All right? As soon as you die, you become present with the Lord. That's part of the crux of this question. All right? 
We're getting there. We're getting closer. So we know, we know that you're alive in your body. You're not quite with God. You can be close to him. You can, it's like uh, corresponding, okay, in a relationship. Have a letter, go back and forth. You pray to God. You read his word. You can feel close to him. But there is a day when your body dies and if you have that relationship with God, you will go to be with God immediately. And at this point is when you separate from your physical body. You leave the physical body behind when you die. Your spirit comes out, your soul comes out and goes up to be with God. Okay? And that's what it says in that 2 Corinthians verse right there. Now... Hold your finger in that spot, and we're going to skip along to 1 Thessalonians. Because we're coming back to, to Corinthians, but we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse number 13. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will bring, God will bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of God, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. All right, so it's bringing up two, just, you're going to hold your finger in two places now. It's bringing up two separate things, all right? When Christ comes, he said, there will be those who are alive and know God, and there will be those who have already passed on, all right? Those who are alive, even though Christ is coming to this earth, will not prevent the thing that's going to happen to those who have died. Right? Those people who have passed on, we have a sign over there, a couple of signs. It's an ever-growing uh, group of people that we call the church triumphant. Right? You can read people's names, all of whom I have personally known, who have died and left this earth, separated from their body. Okay? And at that time, there will be some of us still left around and when, when Christ comes who will believe. And there will be some of us who have gone as the church triumphant and their bodies lay in a grave somewhere. At that time, he said, something will happen to both of those people. Some of us, he says, those people who are here are going to be with the Lord. But there, first, there's something else. So we're going to, on that 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, now we're in verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Okay, those are the people in the grave. And then we which were alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So here's the dead in Christ shall rise. Right. So here was the question. I told you I'd get to it eventually. The question is, 
if to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, then how do the dead in Christ rise first? Aren't they already with God? The answer is this. Simply, even though I just took 15 minutes to get there, right? <laughs> At death, we leave our physical body behind. Our soul, our spirit, goes to be with the presence of God. All right? And when Christ comes, in the end days, Christ comes back to set everything right as it was supposed to be in God's plan, right? He sets everything right. He comes back, then he says, first, the dead in Christ shall rise. And I don't care if you were lost at sea or buried a, a thousand years ago. It doesn't matter. God will raise your physical body at that time. Your physical body will be raised and reunited with your spirit and your soul. Okay? Some assembly required, right? Put together at that point, <laughs> right? So, and it's not the kind of assembly that I can do or any of us can do. Only God can do that and put that together, right? So, at that time, that's how the dead in Christ shall rise first. Their physical bodies rise. Meanwhile, they've always been with God since they passed away from this earth. They've been in the presence of God directly. So that probably leaves a question or two in your mind, right? We, what are we doing? How are we spending that time? If the body is left behind, what will it be like? All right, what will it be like? All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians. I told you to keep your finger in there. God can do anything. People have been uh, rotting away in their graves for hundreds and thousands of years, right? God, that's, that's not hard for God to do, right? So, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 1. This is where Paul talks about two houses. One is a tabernacle, he calls it, or a tent, and the other one's a house which is a more permanent dwelling. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle or this tent were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so being that being clothed, we shall not f be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, or stuck in this body, do groan, being burdened not for that which we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up in life. Now Paul is deep in his words, and he says a lot of things in a few short sentences. But understand this, the gist of it is, today we live in a tent but God has an intention not for us to go up and be naked in heaven. And I mean naked as a, as a, a soul just floating around in the ether. Okay? He has a plan for us to have a permanent dwelling. A place where we fit and belong. A place where we feel at home. Right? So God has created that perfectly for each one of us. 
And Paul says, we're not going up there to have nothing. We're going up there to have something permanent versus this tent. And he says, we groan in this tent. And every year, we all figure we groan a little more, right, in this tent as things get a little more painful to do. And every morning as we wake up, things were there we didn't realize because we feel them now, right? Those things groan. Our bones and our muscles and our joints and all the things in us groan more and more and say, I don't want this anymore. This is tired, this old tent. If you've gone camping, you know tents run out. <laughs> tents are no good after a while, right? You gone camping, every time we ever went camping, it rained. And it rained and it rained and it rained. I just, that's just, it was the way it was. And every day we'd go to the laundromat just to keep drying out our stuff so you didn't have to sleep in the puddles. It was more and more uncomfortable as time went on. And it leaked and you could do all you could do to try and hold it together, but it's a tent still. It's not a permanent dry dwelling. God has a permanent place for us to be. So when we go, and those who die in the body now and are present with the Lord, they have something, a permanent place to be. Now, in the very end of time, like, I, like I've explained, the dead in Christ will rise, and he will take our body, resurrect it, actually create it into a spiritually uh, renewed body. Physical still, but renewed. Not old and tired anymore. Regardless of how bad it is, right? And how rough it got before we finished up, he still will renew it and it will be like it's in our youth. Okay? So God has a plan to make everything very permanent. Now, on the way, for those who are in the middle of the stop right now, who are not here with us physically, but are with God, present with God, there is a something he's going to put us in, some sort of body. I don't know what it is. If I get there, I hope it's amazing. I don't know, right? <laughs> uh, but I don't really get to choose exactly what. But here's one thing that's more important. We turn to one more verse. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, verse number... 13. It's going to give us a little clue about this body. A little clue about God's intention for us when we get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 12. He's going to compare where, how we live now as to how we will live in the future when we get to be with God. Verse 12, 1 Corinthians 13. For, we now, or, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even also as I am known. Long time ago, before we had nice, shiny, perfect, bright mirrors, they used to forever, especially in Bible times, they used to use metal and polish it. And they rubbed and scrubbed and polished the metal to create a mirror. Okay, and they called it a glass or a mirror, but it really wasn't made of glass. It was actually made of metal. Now, if you polish a piece of metal, you can get your image to show up in that. 
it's not very good, okay? <laughs> it's better than nothing, and you can see yourself, but it's probably distorted and looks dark. The image looks dark. It's not that bright, all the colors show up. It's a dark image. And what they said is, how we see the world right now is dark. Like looking in that mirror and we say, I think that's how it's going to be. But when we get to be in the presence of the Lord, it will be very clear and understood. We will see what was and what is, and we will have a perfect vision of it. And it says particularly there, that second part of that verse, when we understand, when we see what it is, it says, now I know in part, but then I shall know even also as I am known. This tells us that we are going to be able to recognize God and other people. As they see us, as we see them, there'll be a full connection. So no more of the surfacey things only. There will be a full connection in our relationships. That's a little scary here on earth sometimes. Don't want everybody to know everything about me, right? But when God has wiped away all of the sin and sorrow and sadness and things, there will be nothing but a perfect connection. And I will be known also as I know people. I will know other people, right? I will know God. There will be this full uh, opening of all understanding, right? So that is to tell you that we're not going to go up there and just look at a bunch of strangers who are sitting in these strange bodies. We have no idea who they are, and we've got to learn them all. We are going to recognize people. Okay? We will see them as they are. We will see God as he is, and we will see other people as they are. So that is one of the key pieces to understand, to not be afraid of what's coming, but to know God's got it all in hand. And we will have full, good, pure relationships there where ours are a little tainted by the things we did and said, right? Things we didn't do, the things we ought to have done. We have a little bit of tainted in there. We don't, we don't communicate always as we should. But God has a different plan. And he says, this is what, what I want is this perfect love. And I will bring it and connect it. And you will connect at all levels. Right? You will be connected amongst them at all levels. And you will recognize and know people. So when you get there, you will know Cousin Fred. Right? And you will know Mom or Dad. You'll know them. You'll know them perfectly. I don't know what they're going to look like. But they will be very recognizable to you. And then someday when God finally brings about this... Uh, this resurrection, when the end of time is done here on earth, he will put right all the bodies. He will resurrect them, bring them back from wherever they might be. Right? And so that's what it is. How can we be absent with the body, present with the Lord, and yet the dead in Christ shall rise because the plan finishes later. Okay. Meanwhile, God's got the perfect knowledge and plan for us 
in a much more permanent dwelling than this tabernacle we live in until he finally resurrects the body and makes it a body for all eternity. All right? Thank you very much. Have a good day.